time to power up. Power up. Autobots, roll out. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Alright, welcome to Dungeon Crawlers Radio, where we are still here. Yes, we are. We have a great show uh, for this evening. We're going to be talking to author Steve Diamond, talking about his new book, uh, Residue. Uh, there's several other things that Steve does. He's also an editor of, Ra- uh, I believe it's Ragnarok Publishing, and he's also in charge of Elitist Book Reviews, which uh, puts out reviews for books every week. Uh, great guy. We'll be talking to him about his new book, and we'll be going from there. We'll be talking about uh, some geek stuff. Unveiling some new stuff, uh, the master of the geeks. Uh, we're going to be asking them questions to see when we can stump them, and yes. then uh, we'll be piling that up and Test see who geekdom. who will reign supreme as the master of the geeks. Geek news. There's a lot of really cool things that's going on. All right, I, I think that beep came across, but all right, uh, it looks like Steve's calling, so uh, let's uh, take. We'll grab that <laughs> interview right now. So, I mean, congrats on the Hugo Award. I I know the Hugos are kind of. Yeah, they where, where they're at now. Yeah, we we're a finalist as well, which is you know cool on its own. But at the same time, with all the stuff going on, it's like oh, kind of just okay and move on. Uh, yeah, you know. But you got your first first novel out on the shelf. Mm-hmm. People can see it. You can mm-hmm. walk into a bookstore and there it is because it's available everywhere, right? Uh, you know, I don't I don't think it's actually in physical bookstores. Oh, not yet. Um, because Ragnarok's a fairly new publisher, okay. and it's uh, it's super expensive to get uh, to get warehouse space um, with the major distributors uh, okay. Ingram and Baker and Taylor. Um, but you know you can buy it from Barnes and Noble online. You can buy it from Amazon.com. So it's it's all there. Um, and honestly, you know, buying it online seems to be better. I don't know. My experience <laughs> going into a bookstore lately is just not that great, unless it's one of those smaller bookstores. Uh, Man, you know, I I used to work at that that Walden Books down in the Provo Town Center Mall, yeah. um, and you know that those those were the days, man. That was when people would come in and and you know I'd recommend I'd recommend books from I'd recognize regulars and I'd have books set aside for them when they came in. Um, you know, that's kind of like the the personal touch that you don't see in in chain bookstores anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they they don't care. Um, Man, that, that bookstore got, um, we got in trouble at that bookstore because, um, you know, headquarters, they, they would send out mandates of how you're supposed to, to stock your books and, and the displays and how they're supposed to look. Well, you know, we're in Provo. Yeah. Provo, Utah. And uh, they had all of this, like, African-American erotic fiction on there. And uh, I'm thinking, this just isn't going to sell here. Yeah. I mean... It's a massive, massive market out there. Um, but here's not the thing. In Provo. <laughs> not in Provo. No erotic fiction, no erotic fiction is going to sell in Provo. It just doesn't. Um, and uh, and so we didn't put it up there. We put up like you know some random fantasy novel. We were we were known for our fantasy and science fiction section. 
Well, we came in and got audited, and man, they dropped a hammer on us. We got in so much trouble. Um, even though, you know, we were selling tons of books. We were the number one ranked store in the country for a while. Wow. And, and they got pissed at us. But, you know, that company doesn't exist anymore. Go yeah. figure. Yeah. Um, it wasn't working right. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you don't, you don't get that personal touch unless you go to an indie store, you yeah. know. Um, and there's still a couple good ones. Um, you know, thank goodness the one over in San Francisco, Borderlands, got saved. Uh, you know, that was going to be... I was going to be awful if that had to shut down, but, you know, it, it's rough. Um, uh, you know, online, you know, Amazon has, has pushed a lot of people out of the market, um, which for good or for good or bad, do what you want. But, you know, I, I wish there were more, uh, you know, brick and mortar bookstores around. It, it's fun to just go into a bookstore and browse. Yeah. Um, but you, you can't really do that these days. And then when you do, the people there are no help. You're like, hey, I need Harry Potter, and they're like, yeah, we don't, we don't know what that is. We don't, we don't carry stories about Harry people. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean that was one of my favorite things to do uh, years ago. Is I would go into a bookstore and just kind of browse around, and something would jump out of me, and I'm like, oh, all right, and I buy it, and I end up either liking it or disliking it, but uh, more often than not, liking it. But you, you really don't get that anymore. I, you know, if you ask someone, "Oh, what's this book about?" I don't know. Look it up. Go online. Yeah, they don't. Fit. Yeah. Go find a review. So. Well, I feel yeah. like it used to could be like a, like a night. Like you could make a night of it. Oh just yeah. Like with movie yeah. stores too, being on Blockbuster, and you can't go out and you can't just spend you know an hour or so just looking around and and trying to find something that you would like now if it's if it's not at Redbox you can't have it if you don't have you know a Nook or whatever and Amazon you you can't read it because a lot of I mean where I'm from we don't even have a bookstore wow oh yeah you have to drive two or three hours now to go to a bookstore because I mean or or get it online and I don't really have internet where I'm from either so (laughs) so I mean you know it's just it's sad it's sad how the ability to I browse and just kind of explore yeah. is going out the window. Oh yeah, I mean, well, and then and then places. It's not like they they don't make it easier for you to browse anymore, right? Like yeah. like online, you know, Amazon Amazon does a, a pretty good job uh, of helping you. You know, they they track your browser history, so they stalk you a little bit to make yeah. sure that they're giving you the correct service. Like um, yep. Yeah, yeah, it's totally not creepy or anything. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, but but you look at something like like Netflix. You know, I don't have cable anymore. Screw that stuff. Yeah, um, I don't screw either. cable. Too expensive. Um, so I have Netflix. But man, it doesn't matter if if I if I go on my PlayStation, if I go on through my you know Apple TV or on my laptop or whatever. It's a different interface every time. Yeah. There's like, it's like I don't I don't even know what's on there to look for because you make it so hard to see, and so I end up just having to look through the things that you recommend me, hoping that they're good enough. Um, it, you can't just browse. Um, you can't just, you know, you can't go into a, to a, a Walden Books anymore. You can't go into, you know, like you are saying, Blockbuster, man. I mean, you'd walk in there and, and they'd have all the movies faced out. You'd pick them up off the shelf, look at them. Um, you know, you'd have staff picks and, and the people there actually seemed to know what the hell they were talking about. Um, that was the best part of date night to 
you know, going in there together and picking something yeah. out together, and now you just sit on your butt on the sofa scrolling through net, you know, Netflix or driving around to the which red box has the movie you want, you know? Well, I'm trying to find a movie on Netflix. There's, I can't tell you how many times I sit down and it's like, all right, 45 minutes is gone and we still haven't picked so something. True. because it's like, it's like, there goes our movie time. <laughs> I mean, of course, I'm seeing several movies I want to watch, right. but I know the other half doesn't want to watch those movies because yeah. there's lots of violence and explosions <laughs> and people and cool losing stuff. heads and stuff. Yeah. And explosions. Yes, and explosions. Well, it, what, I, what I end up doing is, you know, on, on a weeknight or whatever after, after my wife goes to bed, I end up like tediously going through Netflix. Like, okay. Okay, yeah, we might watch this one in the future. Add the list. Yeah. Okay. So my, my ad list now is like a hundred things long. Nice. And and so it's almost to the point now where we go to the ad you know, to, to our list and it's like, oh well crap. We're 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 right back to square one. I don't even know what's on this list anymore. Our, yeah, our list is as big as the whole yeah. library. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing I hate about Netflix, I mean Netflix is great, but you know, every now and then, because, you know, we have it segregated, I have my own, my kids have theirs, and, and the other half has hers. My kids don't log into theirs, and they'll watch a cartoon, and then mine is flooded with cartoons. Oh, no. I have Barbie showing up, and it's like, I don't want to watch Barbie, I want to watch something that explodes. Same with you, Barbie too. in yeah. space, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that, that's what happens, that's what happens on Amazon, you know, with their, with their, uh, yeah. with their creepy, uh, Stalker uh, algorithms is, um, you know, Jenny will get on my account. My wife will get on my account. She'll look up something, I don't know, like gymnastics something or some, like, random self-help book she heard about or yeah. cookies. And then, I, I, you know, I log in. I'm like, okay, let's see what Amazon's recommending for me today. Is there Joe Abercrombie on here? Some Steven Erickson? No. Chocolate cookies. <laughs> like, well, I know what my wife ordered yesterday. Awesome. Yeah, it's funny. Amazon is helpful and a pain. Yes. A- yeah. Other times. Hey, look at that! Your book just showed up on my feed. Haha! See on, on my Amazon See? feed. Amazon is telling me to, it's not creepy. Your book. It's not creepy. That is kind of weird because I haven't even looked up it on Amazon. That is. It's creepy. not creepy if you actually want it. No, I'll, I'll, I'm going to pick it up. But that's just kind of funny. That's awesome. So. Yeah. All right. So. There's something we're, we're doing new. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to kind of – you are the guinea pig. I hate to say this, but you're the guinea pig. Well, yeah, I hear I hear pig tastes good. So Yes. So part of our interviews, we're doing a new segment called Master of the Geek. So oh. we're, we're going to throw out <laughs> geek questions. And we're going to see how many you can answer. So there's five oh, questions. Dear. So first, oh, we're going to start off with ten. If you can get all ten, then we'll keep going. Oh, this is this is gonna go so poorly. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you get we can start off somewhere, even if it is bad. That's right, I'm, I'm setting the bar low for everyone else. Yes. Oh. Future, future listeners, future future guests, that. I'm doing you a favor. So what happens yes. if we don't get any more interviews? <laughs> we'll get more interviews. People are scared to come on our show because they don't want to rank low. Like, oh crap! <laughs> That's gonna be. We don't want to have to test. <laughs> There's a test? You didn't tell me about a test. Got to get disconnected. Yes. So, questions. Let's grab the questions. All right. And and then we'll continue on with the fun of talking about the book. All right. Because that's awesome. Um, you guys got you got your questions. Okay, give, give me an easy one. Give me an easy one. You can start off with an easy one. Go. Go ahead. Jeff. Hopefully, it's easy. This is this was the easy one that he started off with. Yeah, the one you told all of us to be the test. 
Oh, oh. wow. Okay. What? Um, okay, go ahead. All right, go ahead let's for see. It. What is uh, Superman's Kryptonian name? Uh, Kal El. Let's progress forward. All right. Okay, so 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 we got one. All right, you guys want to ask any? Sure. Okay, go ahead there. All right, tell me four themed versions of Monopoly. Themed versions of Monopoly? Yes, yes sir. Oh boy. Um, well, there was the Metal Gear Solid one that came out yep. uh, back a while ago. Um, oh, isn't there a Firefly one that just came out? Like, like, yep, a little while ago. There's two. Uh, there's two. And then, uh, oh shoot. I mean, there, there's. I, I mean, I could, I could, I could totally cheap this out. I mean, there, there's, Good. there's a New York Yankees one. Um, there is. Uh, I, I know there's, I know there's like one for every sports team out there. Um, but, but I, I won't, I won't go there for all of that. Um, oh, what was, what was the other one? Um, let me think. Is there one called, this is the worst game ever, uh, version? No? Um, no. No? Well, there really should be. There's a, this takes way too long version of it. Oh my game. gosh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. One more. Uh, ah, I'm trying to think of of the other ones I've seen. There's, um, a, there's a cartoon one. There's a cartoon one. Yeah. Is there a cartoon one? Yeah. I'm trying to think which one there is. Um. Or there's one that has to deal with certain types of puppets. There's a Muppets one. There is a Muppets <laughs> Monopoly. Are you kidding me? No, I own it. Oh wow! Yep. All right. Next question. Guys. We'll, we'll pretend I got all that right. Okay. Yeah. Next. Right. We're gonna count that. That one was a little tough. Okay. Four comic book characters with tattoos. Oh hell. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, does Blade have tattoos? I yes, want to say he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Okay. Um. Uh, well, how about think. we just cut that down to two? Okay, yeah. just two. Right. Let me think here. Well, it, it's rough, right? Because you know when a lot of the characters first came out, um, you know we're talking like '60s, '70s, and a lot of them had tattoos, and then and then they they came out and they added tattoos to all of them. Yeah. Um, to a lot of them anyway. Uh, man, I want to say Gambit does, but I don't think that's right. Um. I don't know if I've seen one on Gambit. Nope. Let's see. Um, <laughs> let me think. Um, Drax kind of does. I'll, I'll, I'll accept take that. Tra- yeah, yeah, scarring will count. Yep. I'll take that. Um, that scarification is a real tattoo thing. Right. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, we can, we'll go with two. We'll do two instead of four. Right. Who, who, who else has tattoos? Who, who, who else is looking? Tattoo Iron Fist has a tattoo Luke on his Cage. chest. Oh, Luke Cage. Yeah. Wolverine. Huh? Wolverine has tattoos, doesn't he? Yeah, no, Wolverine doesn't have tattoos. Really? The regeneration would kill that. That ink, that ink yeah. would pop out. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, there's Good a couple. Point, there's several others. All right. Um, we have another. Any other questions? What was that? Oh, um, the email you sent me. Yes, hold on. I emailed questions. We, 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 questions. Because I wanted to start with easier questions and then, like, work 
Yeah, work, work up to the harder, to harder ones. ones. But we're bouncing all over. But you know the place. what? You're doing really well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm not. I'm not completely sucking. This is working. I hope everyone's. Ke- I hope that everyone's keeping track because I am keeping track. Okay, perfect. All right. Okay, here's an easy one. What is the true identity of the Flash? Oh hell! What is that dude's name? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you've been watching the show. Come on! I don't have cable. I don't have cable. Okay. <laughs> That's a normal okay. TV. Oh. Uh, Shoot, and, and I and I suffered and I suffered through the first two seasons of Arrow. I should know this. Um, uh, what'd you say? It's two he has first two names. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, crap, Barry. <gasps> Barry. Uh, I feel like that's acceptable. <laughs> what? It's it's Barry something or other. I know it's Barry. And it starts with uh. It starts with an A. Yeah. Really? Yeah, last name starts with an A. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. Barry Allen? Barry yeah. Allen's yeah. You get it. Oh, uh, there we go. Oh, boom. Now you can this up on your <laughs> smartphone. No, I'm not. I, I promise you told not. If if you had the Skype on video, you'd see that I wasn't. I, I see the video. He he didn't wasn't looking at a phone. See? <laughs> Take that. Uh, all, all right. right. So he's he's got to four. All right. So, um, I'm uh, I'm gonna leave this to two. Name two fictional comic book characters that are ju- journalists. I thought he was gonna say Jewish. <laughs> journalists. <laughs> but we could do Jewish. Uh, well, Clark Kent. Yes. For one. Um, he's a journalistish yes. thing. I mean, you've got you know you got Peter Parker who is. There it is. There's two. Lois Lane. Uh, yeah. All right. Next one. You guys got one. All right. Name two film franchises in which time travel is possible, and they can't be in the same series. Okay. Well, X Men for one. Okay. Um. Whew. Do you say film franchises? Yes. Yes. Uh, franchise. That that's the that's the key word there. Um. Come on. I mean, I, I mean, the first movie my my brain goes to is Looper. Um, that works. Let's see. Uh, I mean, Back to the Future, of course. Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. There it is. Uh, you guys, you guys are just waiting. You're, you're all rolling. Come on, Back to the Future. No, you're fine. All right, name two franchises in which the goblin or goblins appear. In, go- which, in which goblins appear? Yes. Yes. Wow. Uh, the the Shanner series by Terry Brooks. Okay. It's all over the place. Um, the Iron Kingdom's uh, book series and role-playing series has goblins all over the yep. place. That works. There There's two. I would say gremlins because those are almost goblins. <laughs> they're, but they're, they're technically gremlins. gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> but gremlins, goblins, all the so. same. Thing. All right, so uh, my next one is who is the father of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch? Oh, that's Magneto. Oh, wow. Wow. He didn't nice. even he didn't even hesitate on that one. Okay, yeah, where, where are we at now? This isn't. Uh, we're, we're not talking about Avengers two, right? Because because uh, no. I haven't seen that movie yet, so no spoilers. I haven't either. I'm going tomorrow. Yeah, we're at seven. We are. At you sure? I've done two. Scott's done two. He's Jessica's doing quite done two, well. And you've done one. We're at eight. 
I'm doing all right. You just finished eight. He's at two okay. questions. Yeah. All right, so. Here we go. Here we go. This one might be a little bit more difficult. <laughs> Great. Name three extraterrestrial species with fur. Whoa. Holy crap. <laughs> okay, uh, shrivels. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wookiees. Wookiees. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I can, I'll, I'll say Ewoks for ease, but let me let go. me see if I can think of a different one. Let me see if I can think of another one too, um, from from a different film franchise. Um, dang, critters aren't aren't actually fur. It's more spines. That doesn't count. Um, uh, Just go with your gremlins. They got fur. <laughs> Gremlins kind of have fur. The Gremlins don't have fur. I yeah, guess the Mogwai. The Mogwai no, has fur. Spike had a mohawk. Had a mohawk. Oh, did. that's true. Yes, he did. He did. He did. Yeah, he, did. he did. Okay. Yeah, we'll go with those. Okay. All right. There we go. All right. You got one last one? Uh, we're at nine. All right. So we're, we're moving on up. Okay. So there you go. You can ask your hard questions. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's see if he makes it. Ooh, how big of a Star Wars fan are you? We'll find out when he has to. We'll find out, I guess, when he has to. crushed up his face. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What is the name of Han Solo's home planet? Uh, It's, um, uh, oh, geez, I'm trying to remember if it's spelled this way. Isn't it uh, Corellia or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. There it is. You got all ten questions correct. Wow. All right. You survived the gauntlet. <laughs> man, man, reading all those Star Wars novels helped. Whew. Yes. <laughs> and you set the bar so high. Yes. Okay. Now everyone scared. has to get a perfect ten. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Now we need to get, I am so proud Now we get, right need now. to get Dan Wells and Larry on to see if they can make it. Oh, Dan Wells will destroy me. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I, I, th- I think I think uh, I, I think I might beat Larry, um, unless you ask him questions about anything having to do with B movies. Then Larry will will win everyone. Um, okay, I'm right. Um, but Dan, man, that that guy just knows everything about geeky stuff. Good grief. Awesome. Good. I'm glad I didn't fail miserably. I need to pull out more B-movie questions. That's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. Yes. All right. So, uh, now we can move back towards uh, the, the fun of the interview and that. Now, Elitist Book Reviews, you, mm-hmm. you do that still. Yeah. Um, now, how often are you doing reviews on on books? I mean, is it just you or is it you and Alan or is there other people contributing as well? So, so right now, the team for Elitist Book Reviews is me, uh, Vanessa Christensen, um, Alan Barr, uh, Dan Smythe, and Nick Sharps. Um, that, that's the main crew right there. Every now and then, we'll pull in a guest reviewer. Um, you know, Dan's reviewed, Dan Wells has reviewed stuff for, for us sometimes. Bryce Moore has. Um, you know, uh, uh, my buddy uh, uh, Nick Dinatka used to used to review for us. Um, before he left the site, um, but uh, yeah, so it, it, it's pretty much a team effort. Um, there, there's no freaking way I could do any of it without those people. Um, it's just, it's way, it, it's a lot more effort than people think it, think it is. You know, they log onto the website and they see this review on there and they go, "Oh, sweet, a review." Um, but for every review, it's like, okay, that's hours of reading, 
that's, you know, tons and tons of time, probably give or take an hour to write the review, um, time spent editing it, throwing it up on the website, you know, effing around with the HTML because, you know, I went to school for, for math and accounting, not HTML. <laughs> um, so, you know, it takes a ton of effort. Um, and so uh, it, it's actually been fairly difficult this, this past year um, for me personally to do any of the reviews um, and, and the maintenance on the website just because, you know, I've been focusing on writing, trying to get all that done. Um, and, and, you know, those of you who write know just how much how many how, how many hours and how much time is spent and to get that done um, but uh, so right now um, I passed on a lot of the kind of uh, administrative duties you know deal with the email for the most part um, uh, scheduling out the the reviews um, you know get, get you know editing the reviews doing all that stuff I, I passed most of that off to Vanessa because she's She's a freaking genius with it, and she's she's super organized. Um, couldn't do it without her. Uh, but yeah, you know, we, we we try to post two reviews a week. Um, sometimes the reviews, uh, more often than not, the reviews. Every now and then, we there's an editorial thrown in there. Um, right now, the the big thing on the website right now is um, we're part of this giant contest. Um, for self-published authors. Um, Mark Lawrence, who is a, a massive, massive uh, dark fantasy author, um, uh, just a phenomenal guy, um, uh, an amazing author, one of my favorite authors out there. His first book's called Prince of Thorns. Everyone should read it. Um, he, uh, he posted this a little while ago saying, you know, how many people, how many good books, how many great books are we missing because they're self-published, and no one wants to give self-published people a chance, because 99% of the time, the books suck. Um, that's just the fact of it. He says, but but that other 1%, how often are we, you know, are we missing the next Brandon Sanderson? Are we missing the next Pat Rothfuss, because the dude's self-published? Um, so he said, okay. So he grabbed 10 bloggers, um, and uh, he said, okay, you know, 20... 250 people can enter. 250 self-published authors can enter. Send their fantasy novels in, their self-published fantasy novels, and each blogger will get 25 of them. Um, and then it's our job to go through our, our group of 25, find the best one, and then uh, you know we all put that that book forward. We all read the you know our our individual winners, and we pick what we consider to be the best um, the best self-published book of those 250 that we read. Um, so right now, that's the main. That, that's one of the main things that, that you'll see on our website right now. There's a bunch of. There's been a couple reviews of some of these self-published books that have actually been been surprisingly good. Um, and then editorials based on um, what you should and shouldn't be doing with your book. Um, one of the first things we talked about was covers. I mean, so so you guys talked about you know you go into a bookstore and you would browse. Um, so. I mean, what's the first thing that you do when you're browsing? You pick up the books with the with the cool covers, right? Yeah, of course. You know, I mean, you, you see a you see a, a sweet cover by like Raymond Swanland or John Picasso or whatever, and you're like, oh dang, this is awesome! So you pick up the book. Next thing that you do is you look at it and you go, oh, well, are the cover? Who's read this book that likes it? 
you know, cover quotes. You know, we talked about that with, with my book, right? Someone picks up my book and they see, oh, Larry Curry and Dan Wells, two pretty good authors, um, two, two excellent authors. Um, and that, that helps them pick up the book even further and, and, and maybe read into it or buy it. Um, covers are super important. Uh, we, we have another one going live soon that's talking about the beginning of your story. Um, how uh, I make a point in the article to in the, in the editorial to say um, how the beginning of your story is the promise that you're making to your reader. Um, you're promising them, you're making a commitment to them that you're going to deliver something to them. Um, is the story going to promise... Um, you know, supernatural stuff, well, then that should be in the beginning of your book. Is the book going to promise action? Well, you, you might want to start with some action then. Is it going to promise romance? Well, well then you need to have that in the beginning. Um, and so uh, I, I talk about a lot of the self-published books that, that we as a group um, have read. You know, this 25, I think we actually have 27 that we're going through. Um and more than half of them we put down after like two pages. Um, that that that's how tough it is. Um, if, if you can't hook me within the first page or two, um, you know maybe five first chapter. If you can't hook me within that chapter, why am I reading your book? Mm-hmm. Um, you know it's especially important when reading short fiction. Um, you know short stories and novellas and such. I mean. They're only like twenty pages long, right? Yeah. So you need to you need to get right to it. There, there's none of this. There's none of this dinking around and uh, describing your map to me, or um, you know, talking about some kid who's running away from some bad guy in a forest. I mean, you know, I've read that story like nine hundred times. Um, you got to get right to it, and it has to be interesting, and it has to be different. Um, and so we talk a lot about that. Um, so that, that, that's kind of the main, one of the, the main other thing that we're doing on the website besides, um, besides the typical reviews. All right, we're going to take just a moment and uh, take a small break, and we'll be right back with author Steve Diamond.
Alright, that was Aerosmith with Sweet Emotion and, you know, Billy Idol with Rock the Cradle of Love. Now back to our interview with author Steve Diamond. It's, uh, it's good. It, it's, it's been really fun to do all these reviews. Um, you know, me and, and, and my other reviewers, we've made a lot of friends in the author community through this. Um, I mean, heck, that's how I met Larry Correa, um, was, was through the book review site. Um, I heard he was a local author, so I said, oh, well, I want to read the local author. I picked up his book. I loved it. Um, uh, I mean, the opening, uh, for example, okay, we're talking about beginnings, right? Yeah. The opening scene of Monster Hunter International, Larry's first book, is a, an accountant pushing his boss out the window because his boss has turned into a werewolf. So um, I think pretty much everybody can relate with wanting to push their boss out of window. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm an accountant, so it was especially, it was especially poignant for me. Um, I was like, yes, this is exactly what I want to do right now. Um, it, you know, it, it grabbed your attention right away. Um, but that's how I met Larry. I met him through reading his book, and then I went to a convention, and I met him um, because of the book review site. And then he and I became exceptionally good friends. Um, he uh, he helped me uh, get the job that I have today, actually, um, you know, as a, a finance manager for a, a Department of Defense contractor. So, um, you know, it, it, there's been so much good that has come out of the website. Um, you know, people are, are, are picking up books because of the reviews we write, and they're discovering new authors. Um, you know, I'm discovering new authors. One of the things I like to do... Um, you get, uh, I don't know if you guys realize, reviewers um, who, who have the, the trust of the, um, of the major publishers, just how many books they get oh, yeah. per, per month. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you guys probably do in terms of RPG books and stuff. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Uh, but, you know, there's a, there's a time there. Um, I... I I don't get the books at my house anymore. I, I, I send them off to Vanessa to do. But, um, man, there's a time when I was getting like 10, 15 books a week. Wow. Thinking, there, there's just, there's not a chance in hell that I'm going to be able to read all these. There's just no way. But review copies are interesting. Um, because a lot of the time, they don't, it, it doesn't come across with the cover on it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's just a wound book or a green bound book. And it just says the title of the book and the author's name, and that's it. No, no frills, no, nothing about the book, um, nothing. And so uh, what I'll do sometimes is I'll just take a bunch of those, I'll just pull one out at random um, go and, and go into a blind um, uh, just because I think it's always good to read outside of your comfort zone. Um just because you're a huge fantasy person doesn't mean you shouldn't be reading science fiction or horror. Or just because you're a huge horror fan doesn't mean you shouldn't be reading a Western here and there. Um, so uh, so I do that every now and then. And that's how I've discovered some really some of my favorite authors, some really great authors. Um, stuff that I wouldn't have normally read um, if I'd you know, read the description on Amazon or something. Um, it's, you know, there's... It's a ton of fun. Um, it's busy. It's it, it's it's very time consuming. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's good stuff. 
Um, being a reviewer is, is fun. It, and of course, it never hurts that you know you get all those free books. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So, with that said, we're gonna wrap things up so you can go on and do you do your stuff, spend time with the family and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of a last pitch. Why sure. should the listeners pick up Residue? Well, because it's awesome, of course. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Uh, no, you know what? If you're looking for a very accessible novel that has elements of horror, science fiction, um, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of fantasy in there, um, you know, monsters, um, a little bit of romance, I mean, some humor, uh, you know, that, that's what Residue provides. It, um, Residue isn't one thing. It's, you know, I get asked this question quite a bit, and, and, and the, the comparison I keep coming back to is, you know, we as people are made up of a lot of things. You know, you, Dan, you're, you're not just one thing. You know, you're, you're a sum total of, of a bunch of experiences. Some of, the, some of them are humorous. Some of them are horrible. Some of them are, are amazing. Some of them are heart-wrenching. Um, so if we as people aren't one thing, why should our fiction be one thing? Yeah. And so that's what residue is, and that's what I try to accomplish in it. Um, I, I try to have a lot of everything in there, something that, that everybody can enjoy um, while hopefully, you know, feeling exhilarated for the action scenes and then, um, you know, a little creeped out by the horror scenes. Um, it's, good for, it's good for teens. It's good for adults. Um, that, that's the book for you. Nice. All right. And where can the listeners find you? Is there any book signings you're going to be at? Any conventions you're going to be at? Uh, let's see. My schedule upcoming is uh, next week. Uh, next weekend, I'm going to be up in Missoula, Montana at a convention at MissCon. Nice. Uh, so I'll be there over Memorial Day weekend. Um, after that, uh, I'll, in July... Is it July that's Gen Con? I think it's July. Uh, uh, yeah, it's the end of, end, end of July, yeah. End of July this year. So I'll be there. Um, I'll, you know, Hopefully I'll see some of you guys there. Um, I'll be at Gen Con. And then after that, uh, in September, I'll be at Salt Lake City Comic Con. Um, so I'll be there. Um, you, can, you can find me online, you know, Facebook, whatever. Um, you can find me at thestevediamond.com. Um, uh, wordpress.com until I update my site to have a, just a straight.com um, you can find me at Elitist Book Reviews you know whatever I mean I'm, I'm, all, I'm all over the place I'm fairly I'm fairly easy to find all so right. sounds good so if you want a book with a prom scene that's better than the prom scene at Carrie run out and grab this book or you know I'm excited I'm going to have to go buy it now tonight so I can read this Amazon. And importantly, campaign. importantly, leave a review. Uh, oh, um, always, yes. You know that that's uh, pe- people don't realize how important those reviews are. Yeah, they are. Uh, le- leave an honest review, please. Beg of you. We'll do. Uh, you know, I, I left one for Michael Brent, and oh my gosh, seriously, that guy's book. I, I read Twisted. I cannot walk through my house with a light off now after reading that book. I'm sure your wife is happy that you're saving power. I'm 30-something years... No, I'm 38 years old, almost, and I can't walk through the house without a light on now because of that book. 
it creeped me out so much. Which is saying a lot because I used, you know, as a kid, my my uncle, which was not right in the head, we'll just say that because we watched eight to nine horror movies a day through an entire summer, so I got very desensitized. Uh, This book creeped me out, so I will be excited. If this book can creep me out like that, oh yeah. Well, and and you've uh, and and you've said that you've you've said how much of a scaredy cat you are for all the internet to hear. Yeah. So congratulations on that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the first time I've mentioned it, so I'm yeah. okay with that. I I'll eventually be able to walk through the house with the lights off, I'm sure. I hope. You'll you'll grow up one day. Yeah. You'll be a big boy one day. Yep, one one day. I won't have to wear depends or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> we hope. Yeah. So, you know, thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah, anytime, guys. Anytime. We're excited. Um, you know, when anytime you have more stuff coming on, let me know. We'd love to have you back on and or even come on down. Um, we we'll always talk. need someone to test our geek knowledge. Oh yes. So. Oh jeez. <laughs> oh yeah. Don't don't get too hard, man. You just you just happen to pick like my my very few areas where I know something. It's all mm. random. Studying yeah. hard. Lucky. You study. I need to, I need to yes. buff up my super hard questions. Yes. Yeah, you should you should test those out on Dan Wells. Okay. Yes. We'll do it on Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So all right. Thanks for coming on, Steve. And hey, no problem, guys. We'll catch you later. All right. Hey, y'all take care, all right? Have a good one. Thank Bye. you. Thank you so much. See you later. And that concludes our interview with author Steve Diamond. And we're going to take a few moments and take a break, and we will be right back. Last 
That was Billy Joel and Rebel Yell and one of my favorite bands, Collective Soul and Y Part 2. For those of you just tuning in, you missed the uh, wrap-up of our interview with author Steve Diamond and the unveiling of our new segment, Master of the Geeks. So tune in every week to catch uh, our interviews of fellow authors and to see what geek questions they can answer, as well as... um, 
many, many, many other fun, exciting things because you never know what the authors know or what they're going to stumble upon, what questions they, they think they know, but they really don't. So we're excited to unveil this. It also gives you kind of a different side of things and to see authors and uh, other celebrities in a different light other than you know the traditional interview. So with that said, let's, uh, let's move on. Hey, Dungeon Crawlers. We're here at Gen Con with author Bob Salvatore. And so how have things been so far? Good. Gen Con's been great. How about for you? It's, it's been great so far. So, you know, new books out, uh, Night of the Hunter. Yep. Uh, new books coming in September, too, Rise of the King. Yeah, wow. They've been keeping me busy. Uh, I can't keep up. Wow, that's, that's amazing. Well, so, Night of the Hunter's been out for a couple of months, so. Yeah, uh, I haven't read it yet, my, my bad. But, uh, so, what, kind of what's going on with Dritz, and now that the, the team's kind of back? Um, I'll figure a way to blow them up again. Okay. And, you know. Good. It's, um, no, there's, there's a whole bunch of storylines that have just kind of spiraled up from the, from the team coming back. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just following down the road like I always do. That's how I, people say, you know, how far ahead do you plan? And how about a chapter? A chapter? And I just, I'm just right, I'm just following them down the road and we're having fun. Nice. So with 5th edition coming out, is that going to change anything for the, the guys? Well, the yeah, that was what the Sundering was all about. Okay. That was the Sundering brought the realms to 5th edition. Okay. So now we're there. And it's it's easy and it's 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 very the way they they're doing it is very good with the realms this time because they're letting the authors lead. They didn't tell us this is what's happening, this is what you have to do. That was 4th edition. Mm-hmm. This time they just said this is what we're doing. What do you think would happen to the realms? And we told them. And it's been a really great process. Nice. So it's been a lot of fun. So are we going to see any really interesting things happen with maybe Menzo Berenza and yes, some of that? Yes, absolutely. That's where I'm, I was working on the plane coming out to Gen Con, and I was in the city of spiders. Nice. You bet. Okay. Chaos reigns. Very <laughs> nice. So you know, is there any other projects you're doing besides yeah. So I'm glad you asked. I did a Kickstarter last year for Demon Wars. I did a, a Demon Wars RPG. Mm-hmm. It's a, an entire gaming system based on my world of Corona and the gemstone magic and the monks and all that. And the Kickstarter was being fulfilled. The books are in. They're gorgeous. The Kickstarter is being fulfilled on Monday. And Tuesday, we're mailing out all the books. And after that, it'll be for sale um, at various stores around the country, but also at... My wife started an online store. Oh, nice. Where people can buy signed books or clam battle hammer hats and shirts, things like that. And the, the new rule book and the new game book. And it's um, it's easy to remember. It's rasalvastore.com. Very nice. So I got a plug in for that. And she'll be happy. And, nice. Uh, so, yeah, we, we'll keep them really busy and running along and working on Demon Wars, working on Dark Elf and... So we're gonna, are we Life going to see good. more Demon War books? Well, for the Kickstarter in the in the RPG, I wrote a novella oh, okay. that picks up after the end of Immortalis. And when I was, I wrote it so fast because I was having so much fun. I'm like, all right, that's a signal. Yeah, I need to go do do some more. Do some more. So yes, I, I think there are going to be more Demon War books. Absolutely. Okay. Anything more like the Crimson Shadow, or is that done? Well, Crimson Shadow, that's interesting you say that. If you look at the map of Demon Wars, it looks like Labrador and Newfoundland. It looks like the eastern coast of Canada. Oh. If you look at the map of Crimson Shadow, it looks like the British Isles in France. Yeah. That was done on purpose. The Crimson Shadow was supposed to be Demon Wars, but I didn't have enough time to develop the world fully. So when I finally, when I left TSR in the mid-90s, 
I went to Del Rey, that's when I did Demon Wars. But I've always thought about bringing the Crimson Shadow books into Demon Wars. Okay. So it could happen. Nice. In fact, I, I, I love that series. I think it's going to happen. Okay. Oliver. Yeah. Oliver's, yeah. Oliver's my guy. Yeah. So we shall see. Okay. But it could happen. So they can go to your website here shortly to get the Demon Wars RPG. Um, they can they can pre-order it right now. Right now? Okay. Are and you can also store? pre-order Rise of the King, which is, okay. like I said, is coming in September. September. And get them all signed and Very personalized nice. and all that good stuff. Okay. Yep. And then your clan battle hammer. Uh, hats and shirts. Hats and shirts for the clan battle hammer. Yeah. It's my softball team. Yes. I remember you yeah. saying that. Oh, there's one other thing. I, okay. Yesterday I did a Reddit, and we announced that Audible did the collected stories of the Legend of Drifts. Yes. But they have a different person doing each one. Ice-T did one. Yeah. Weird Al. Uh, David Felicia Duchovny. Day, yeah. Felicia Day. Will Wheaton. Sean Astin. I mean, a whole bunch. It's awesome. And they're giving it away for free. Yep. For the next 39 days. You can Already download up it for free. And so let people know about that. All right. That's, I think that's very cool. Pick it up. All right. Well, thank you for your time. My Appreciate pleasure. It. This is uh, Ginger Carver's Raider. Raider. This is Revan. We'll catch you next time. This is Bob Salvatore. <laughs> that was one of our interviews uh, with author Bob Salvatore, R.A. Salvatore, as many of you know him, uh, at Gen Con. And kind of as a special treat, this is one of my favorite stories uh, that Bob's ever told. Uh, he's told it to us on past shows as well as he goes around and tells other people about it. But uh, this is... Bob's Wubba Wubba story, one of the stories, the many stories that comes from uh, our experiences at the game table, but this one is exceptional and amazing, and we want to share it with you. So uh, here it is, Wubba Wubba, and we will be right back. Has anyone here heard my favorite Dungeons and Dragons story? Has anyone here heard Wubba Wubba? Not you, you don't count, my son. <laughs> I've heard it way too many times. <laughs> Nobody here said, ah, virgin me. I love it. <laughs> so usually I go to Gen Con every year, and like, if there are 200 people in the room, 150 of them shout out, hey, tell us Wubba Wubba again. Yeah. I've heard it too many times. You haven't heard it, so good. My favorite Dungeons and Dragons story, why I love gaming. In my group, one of the guys named Tommy. Tommy's a six foot four prison guard who tries to be tough, and everybody knows he's a marshmallow. Always seems to be the guy on the short end of the lightning bolt, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, Mike Ledger was running our game, and in a Mike Ledger campaign, you know that within the first two levels, somebody's getting a wand of wonder. <laughs> you know it. And it will have unlimited charges and he will have about 10 different tables that he refers to for what happens when you fire off this wand of wonder. And you know it's the wand of wonder because when you find it on the side, it says wubba wubba. I don't know why. It just says that. So I had a little halfling psionicist. We were playing in a Ravenloft campaign. Oh my god. Has anyone here played Ravenloft? If I, ever, I never want to meet the people that wrote that. These are some sick dudes. But it's so much fun to play there. So, my psionicist won the role and got the wubba wubba one. And sure enough, every time I used that damn thing, Tommy got blasted. It doesn't matter. We're running away from an unbeatable monster. I say wubba wubba. Tommy's feet get big. 
and he can't run. He's got strip and gets caught and gets bit. It doesn't matter. We're standing on the edge of a cliff, and the dragon's flying at us, and I say wubble wubble, and a gust of wind comes up behind Tom. It didn't matter. No matter what I did, lightning bolt, Tommy. Fireball, Tommy. It even got ridiculous in that if we were fighting something that used fire as a weapon, he put on all his fire protection gear, and I hit him with a cone of cold. It, it was just over and over, over and over. Every week, every time I'd say wubble wubble, Tommy would glare at me from across the table. You know, like, I know you would. <laughs> Because he knew before I even rolled the percentage that I said, <laughs> he's a dead man. <laughs> so, we're in Ravenloft. Ugh. Something weird happens. Oh, gee. <laughs> and this entire section of the world that we're in, like this football field section, gets torn out and put in this alternate plane of existence. And we're trapped in this like bubble of world with no monsters to kill, no treasure, no food, no nothing. So we can live our lives out as peaceful farmers <laughs> in this football field, or we can figure out how to get back. Well, we did have a wizard who had a teleport spell, but unfortunately, there was one too many of us. <laughs> it was fair, it was fair. We also had a bag of holding and a rod of resurrection. Well, no. problem solved. Somebody's got to die. We drew straws. I lost. Well, not being one to just let Tommy come over and stomp me like he really wanted to. I took off all my gear, put it in a pile, patted it goodbye, used my psionics and floated up 500 feet, and waited for my psionics to expire. I wanted to go out in a swan dive. I start falling, and Mike says, okay, you're dead, and Tommy goes, no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 he's falling. And Tommy picks up my wand. <laughs> he says, you little bastard. <laughs> and he points the wand at me, and he says, wabba wabba. And he's got this big grin, and he rolls the dice. Mike flips through his charts, closes his eyes, and says, Caster and target change places. Oh! <laughs> and that is why I play games. <laughs> The look on his <laughs> six foot four prison guy crying like a little <laughs>
Hey, Gen Crawlers, we're here live at Gen Con still with Mike Merles, the lead designer? Co-lead designer. Co-lead designer of Dungeons & Dragons. And yes, the new 5th edition has rolled out. As you can see, we got the player's handbook, the monster manuals here. You can't get it yet, but you will soon. So, uh, how's everything going so far? So far, it's going really well. Yeah. Uh, people have been really excited to start playing. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, they haven't lost any characters yet, so no one's that grumpy about getting killed in one of our events we're running here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, people seem to be really responding to the. Uh, we're trying to make the we try to make the game more accessible with it. Really focus on storytelling and role playing, and that seems to be really coming through. Uh, okay. A lot of people, you know, it's funny. We're getting a lot of people coming back. Like I've been played since second edition, you know, and coming back. Yeah. The um, so I think that's been seems to be working out pretty well. Uh, obviously, just the player's handbook is the only book that's available at the show. Uh, Monster Manual is coming out next month, then DMG in November. So we can't kind of get too far ahead of ourselves. Like, you know, it's really not until the entire game's out yeah. that we really get a sense of where we are. But uh, so far, so good. You know, people seem pretty enthusiastic, really diving in. Uh, I think having the open play test helped. People weren't really surprised by things, you know. They're just kind of seeing how things are working together. Yeah. And then I think having the basic rules online for free helped, too. A lot of people came to the show already knowing the basics, you know, yeah. how combat works the essence of the fighter and stuff. So I think it's been a pretty good ramp up for people either playing at the show or just kind of reacting to the game. So yeah, so far so good. Nice. I, I, I got a chance to read over the player's handbook and it was really fun. So there's a, a several things that I noticed. You guys kind of brought in the multiverse uh, stuff that like Marvel and DC does. You know, kind of brilliant, but what prompted that? So one of the things we realize when we look at things like the open play test and you talk to people of the D&D worlds have been published, Scrap Realms is the most popular. Mm -hmm. But things like Greyhawk, Ravenloft, Spelljammer, Planescape, there's still good-sized contingents of DMs who use those settings. Mm -hmm. And even more DMs make up their own worlds. Yeah. So for us, it was important to think, well, if the average DM, the typical DM, is making their own setting, how does that relate to our settings? And then with even within the fans of our settings, they're a pretty diverse lot. You know, picking one setting and saying it's the only setting, we just didn't think it would work. So we put some thought into how do the settings interact, what does it mean to go to one world from another, and things like that. Because uh, we know that's a big part of D&D's legacy, is, yeah. is those settings and, and the, the stories and characters that they bring to the table. Nice. I, I, I do like that. So, I mean, yes, I brought notes. Uh, so, you know, I like the advantages and disadvantages in this system. Really, it, it kind of ups the game and makes it uh, creative in one way, because you, know, you go into a situation where you, you have the disadvantage and you know, life can suck. You could be rolling that 19 and, yeah, now I got a 2. Yeah. Well, I mean, what brought that into play? So a lot of it was when we would look at the open play test mm -hmm. and our own experiences with the game, we had this rule in designing the game. We wanted the action to push you toward the table, okay. toward the DM and toward the other players, and not toward the rule book. Nice. So as often as possible, we wanted rules that were simple, easy to remember, and easy to use at the table. So the great thing about advantage is if you are, when you're posing it, you don't have to keep track of any math. You don't have to think, oh, wait, did I add that in or not? It's just re-roll and take the higher or lower result, depending if you have an advantage or disadvantage. Really like the flow it brought to the table. And yeah, like you said, bringing up that creativity, you know, getting players to really engage with the game. You know, it's bringing it, you know, putting the focus on the game yeah. that we're playing. So a player, when they're thinking, okay, here's this guy, he's a magic full play, I'm going to have a really hard time hitting him. Rather than going to the rule book and thinking, well, what feed or spell should I use? Thinking more like, well, wait a sec, what if we lure him into an ambush? Mm -hmm. What if I can get the high ground? What if we can knock him over? You know, nice. things like that. Making, getting players to think of the game in terms of what's happening in, the, in a situation and not what's happening with the rules. 
So more going towards the, the telling of the story. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Nice. Okay. So uh, the classes. What you know, I've noticed that when you look up the classes, they don't get feats now. It's features. Yep. So why that change? So we wanted the classes to be fairly straightforward in mm-hmm. what they gave you. Uh, we wanted to be able to do like actually, there's kind of a an interesting thing if you look at like two weapon fighting. Mm-hmm. In the past, if you wanted to fight with two weapons, you had to take feats and really try to build your character to do that. Yeah. What we decided to do was say, you know what, anyone can fight with two weapons. Yeah, you, you have to be proficient with the weapons. But you can just, if a wizard picks up two daggers and starts fighting, that works. You okay. don't need to take any abilities. So the class features are really there to give you the stuff that makes you unique. Okay. The things where you can say, you know what, only a fighter does this. Or only a warlock can use magic in this way. And so really emphasizing those unique features. So when you're playing a class, you kind of feel like, oh, this is the thing that I do that no one else gets to do. Whether it's a game mechanic, a special ability, or like you know some link to the world, really emphasizing what makes the classes unique, and making that the focal point of choosing a character class. Okay, nice. Um, so let's go. So because you brought up magic, you know how has the magic system changed? You know because before we had special powers and that really. So now it, it looks like we have you know spell slots. Uh, the bard's actually a full blown spellcaster now. So how is fifth edition now affected the magic? So the big change to the magic system is we've incorporated some elements of 4th edition, the idea of encounter abilities, and we've also tried to make the spell casting system more flexible. So the way magic works now is, let's say if you're a wizard, Mm -hmm. uh, when you prepare spells, you just pick a list of spells you have ready to cast that day. That's separate from the magical energy you use, a spell slot, to power those spells. So if I want to cast a magic missile, I have to prepare it, and then I can spend a spell slot to cast it, it doesn't use up magic missile. It's still on my spell list. Mm-hmm. It just uses up the magical energy my spell slot. Okay. And the other thing we've changed is rather than have spells automatically inc- increase in power as you gain in power, mm-hmm. you have to instead use a higher level spell slot to cast a spell to gain its an increased effect. Okay. And what that does is it brings on a balance between fighters and wizards back into play. Yeah. Because what used to happen was as a wizard gained levels, all the wizard spells got better. Yeah. The fighter, on the other hand, like you weren't necessarily inherently doing more damage with your sword or things like that. Yeah. So instead it says, well, if the wizard wants a more powerful effect, you have to spend one of your higher-level spell slots, and you don't get anywhere near as many of those high-level spell slots as you have in the past. Okay. Now, another thing we've introduced is many of the casters, the wizards especially, yeah. when a wizard can rest for an hour, a wizard can get back a few spell slots. So you're never really out of things. And you also have cantrips that you can cast as often as you want without running out of power. Okay. So I'm kind of incorporating some stuff from forth and introducing some flexibility to the game system too. Now I also noticed that the wizards and spellcasters can't like cast like you know mage armor on themselves and then cast something on someone else and something on their weapon. That's kind of gone away. Yeah. So we have a, we've introduced a new concept, the concentration rule. Yeah. Which says some spells require concentration, like buffs. Yeah. Uh, spells like web that can really control the battlefield. Anything that creates almost almost anything that creates an ongoing effect requires a caster to concentrate on. Now, when you're concentrating, you can still cast other spells. You can still attack. You can still do anything. But if you cast a second spell that requires concentration, the first spell ends. Okay. So what happens is it's harder now to stack up a lot of buffs. You know, what would happen is maybe a caster would, I have eight spells, I'll cast them all at once, because their power actually multiplies by using the Yeah. So it's more getting casters to be a little more judicious or to lean on spells like Fireball and stuff like that. Okay. And again, it's another way we're bringing back the balance between fighters and wizards and other casters. Nice. All right. Uh, moving on then. So, uh... How is multi-classing going to work in this new edition? 
So multi-classing is similar to how it worked in third edition. Okay. Where as you're progressing in levels, you can choose to take a level in a different character class. There's two things that we've introduced to uh, to make it so multi-classing is probably works best with like two or maybe three classes rather than oh, I'm going to take one level in eight classes. So first, you have to have an ability score minimum to move from one class to another. If you have an eight intelligence, you can't suddenly just become a wizard. Okay. You have to have like a 13 intelligence. All right. So that kind of helps control that. And then also what we've done, um, part of making the game more accessible is the first couple levels of each character class are fairly simple. It really isn't until third level that you kind of get the full suite of abilities. We expect, like, right now you really, like, you know... Yeah, kind of come into your own, yeah. Yeah, you kind of almost like apprentice levels. So what happens now is, if you want to play a fighter wizard, you have to put a couple levels in the wizard to really start getting special abilities. Or in a fighter to start getting some, like, you know, like, action surge, which lets you get an extra action, you know, uh, when you're fighting. So things like that where it's not just, hey, I took one level in Ranger and now I have a bunch of special abilities or like two levels in this class and now I'm much more powerful the nice thing is uh, with the system spellcasting ability used to be if you multiclassed uh, and you're a spellcaster you really lost out on a lot of magical ability it was very difficult to make say a fighter wizard work well now with part of that system to kind of make up for some of those restrictions your spellcasting ability still increases based on your total character level now there's some modifiers based on the classes you have but it's much easier to play a fighter wizard without falling way behind on your, on your wizard casting. Okay. So how does so now that we have the class features, how are feats now going to work? So feats in fifth edition are an optional rule. Okay. So what happens is you gain levels at certain levels determined by your character class. You have the option to increase your ability scores. Okay. So you might take a plus two to one score or plus one to two different scores. Instead. If you don't want to take the ability score bonus, you can take a feat. Okay. So what we've done with feats now is a feat essentially has to be as good as getting plus two to an ability score, which is a really good power boost. So feats are now much bigger. You can imagine, say, if you played third or fourth edition, they're actually kind of like combining three or four feats into one. Oh, wow. So they're much more like a complete package of abilities. So if you want to be a great archer and you take the archery feat, and that's just what I'm making up. I don't think there is an archery option, but kind of freestyling here. Yes. The, actually, if we have a player sample, there it is. I'm just going to pop one open. <laughs> so, you look at one of the feats, as I'll flip it, I'll probably spend, now we'll spend the next rest of the interview with me flipping through the book, trying to find stuff. Oh, here we go. There, there. Crossbow expert. Okay. So, it gives you three different benefits. You get, essentially, rapid reload from third or fourth edition. Yeah. You get close-in shooting. If someone's next to you, you don't take any penalties for firing a crossbow. Nice. And then you also get the... Um, if you have a... You can basically two-up and fight now with crossbows. Oh, wow. So all three things, which in the past would have been three separate feats, yeah. are now one feat. one. Nice. Exactly. And that's part of making the game, trying to simplify the game. Mm-hmm. What we found was a lot of players that maybe didn't want to take feats. Like, look, I'm playing a wizard. I'm happy just being a wizard. I don't really want to customize my character anymore. They can just take the ability score book bonuses. Yeah. The uh, for players who want to, say, customize, have kind of a, a specific vision of a character or even want to play against type. Like, hey, I'm going to play a wizard, and I'm going to take the crossbow expert feat because my wizard is a marksman or something like that. Yeah. You know, adding some of that texture to the game, but not requiring it. And I think that's been kind of our philosophy with the game, is try to make the, the stuff you have to learn how to play, reducing that to as small a footprint as possible, yeah. but then giving advanced players a lot of options. Well, if you want to bring in an optional rule, you can add feats to your character, but the guy playing across the table who maybe wants a simple character... He just doesn't take feats, but your characters are still equally powerful. Okay. All right. Um, now, how do you feel this edition is going to compare to the old ones, and why should people, you know, 
that have never played or have played move towards this one? So the big thing we tried to do mm-hmm. is take the things from past editions mm-hmm. that people really liked, the free-form approach of, say, uh, first edition, mm-hmm. the role-playing and, and world emphasis of second edition, yeah. the character options of third edition, the ease of DMing of fourth edition, and bring those all into one edition. Okay. It's almost like a Voltron kind of nice. thing, right? The you know, fifth edition kind of forming the head, right? Yes. The, uh, because what we've seen is everyone, you know, almost everyone, especially the playtest, liked different things about different editions. And what we found was, it wasn't like, oh, people who like 4th edition only like this. It was more like, hey, I like the tactical options, I like the ease of DMing, but maybe I didn't like how long fights were. And 3rd edition players may have said, I really like being able to customize my character, but DMing is a real chore. It's really hard to balance stuff, and things can get unbalanced. It was 2nd edition, people liked the settings, but the rules were a little hard to follow, and they got kind of bloated. 1st edition, a lot of rules, questions, people kind of confused, but they like the free-form approach to the game. Yeah. So really it's about taking the things that were strengths and really emphasizing those rather than trying to say, oh, here's a weakness and let's, let's fix that. If we just assembled the strengths, kind of Voltron-like, yeah. we get something that works together really well. So I think at the end of the day, if you've been playing 3rd or 4th edition, what 5th edition really does for you is it brings into play the character options of 3rd edition and the ability to customize if you want that. If you're not so much into character customization, you have a lot of easy options. Okay. So those two players can play at the table. And then for Dungeon Masters, it's kind of the same approach. You know, in the DMG which we're working on right now, so let's say for creating monsters, we have, if you want to go through and customize your creature and choose the hit dice and the ability scores and really get into the details and add, add class levels, like I want a fifth level to fight the troll who's a fighter, things like that, you can do that. Or if you just want to write down some numbers or take, like, hey, I need a, a, a challenge rating 5 monster. Well, here's the basic template of ability scores. Here's a couple off-the-shelf abilities, kind of like in 4th edition. I can build that, too. Okay. It's really about enabling all of these different options. So as a player or DM, you only have to go to the level, a level of complexity that you want, rather than okay. saying the system requires this level of complexity. Nice. Okay. Let's see. We... Wow, we're almost an hour. Okay. Um, so what is one of your favorite classes... That you, or spell or anything that's in this game that you've designed. So I really... Uh, it's like trying to pick who's your favorite child. I know. Yeah, no, the, uh, I actually... Re- it's funny because I, I did a little work on the Warlock. That's uh-huh. probably the classes of the one I did the least design work on. But I love playing Warlocks. Okay. Because I like the flavor of the uh, the pact. So I have a character I'm playing, Tarmiel. He's a tiefling warlock and he's got this iron book of law and okay. he's lawful evil but he doesn't think of himself as lawful evil. He thinks of himself as being lawful right. Yeah. So... It's really fun playing up the the, the, the the pact I have and how that magic is different from other characters. Okay. So I'd say right now Warlock's probably my favorite class. Nice. The, uh, probably the individual mechanic I like the most is uh, rogues now get a bonus action at second level. So every round on your turn, you get an, a bonus action you can use to disengage, which basically lets you move without provoking opportunity yeah. attacks. You can hide, and depending on your subclass you choose for rogue, you get a couple other options. And that's really fun because I think it does a good job of capturing rogues being really slippery and tricky. You never now, quite know what a rogue is. Now that you bring up the rogue, there's a rogue class that can spell steel or spells. Yep. How is that possible? So one of the things we do is in each character class, somewhere between first and third level, you pick what is essentially your specialty. Mm-hmm. So for a cleric, it might be your domain, like what god you worship. Yeah. For a wizard, it might be your school of magic. For the rogue, you basically pick your rogue scheme. Uh, you can choose to be a thief. You can choose to be an assassin, or you can choose to be a spell... Uh, I think it's a... a oh, no, Arcane Trickster. Yeah, it's a spellcaster. Um, so what happens is you have a number of class features that get swapped out depending on what path you choose. Okay. 
And so all we had to do was from a design standpoint to say, hey, these class features are pretty beefy. They're important because they kind of really define your character. What are those worth in terms of spell casting? So if you choose the arcane trickster path where the rogue or the, maybe the assassin is getting kind of like the stealth and disguise and poison abilities, you're just getting spell casting both like added in directly into the character class. Uh, the fighter has an uh, uh, um, El- uh, Eldritch Knight option, which is basically a warrior yep. mage built right in. So it gave us a lot of flexibility by breaking the classes up, by kind of grouping the features together. You can take out an entire group of things and replace it with something that's very different in feel, but it's still balanced within the class, and you're still a member of that class. Okay. So now that we have 5th edition out, the player's handbook's out, Monster Manual's coming soon, the DMG guide, where's the next step? Because uh, so you don't want to come out with another edition two or three <laughs> years from now, exactly. so what's the next step? So one of the things we're doing is uh, we're, here at Gen Con we're launching the Tyranny tier, tier of Dragons storyline. Yep. So we're emphasizing much more going forward, storylines, campaigns, really the stuff that for, the stuff that DMs can run, adventures. Okay. And not just adventures, but complete campaigns. Yes. So what I think you'll see us doing in the future is rather than having, say, a generic book of fighter abilities, let's say if we're doing, um, let's see an example campaign. If we're doing, um, say, remember the, the Night Below from 2nd Edition? Yes. If we're going to redo that, Rather than have a generic player book, we might do like a player's guide to the Night Below campaign. Okay. It might have things like, oh, here's the rules if you want to play uh, a, a deep gnome character. Any campaign can use that, but this is actually a really good choice to make if you're playing Night Below, because deep gnomes are part of the story, the yeah. Zerf Neblin, and there's all the character and story hooks. We can really, rather than just create feats for the sake of creating feats, we're creating character options that speak really well to that specific campaign. Nice. So we're really trying to avoid the bloat that kind of that can develop in a D and D edition as yeah. things go on. We're really looking at those the two, like the player book and the DM book, as a pair that work together. Now, if you're a kit basher, your homebrew DM, you can loot both of those books for parts. But the idea is, we can tell people like, hey, this is the, the player's companion to this campaign. For homebrew DMs, yeah, we've been talking about things of saying, look, we actually don't really expect you to use more than one or two supplements at once, uh, because in a lot of ways, from a game development standpoint. You look at games like Magic the Gathering yeah. and the collectible games, they have what, what's called set rotation, where they know if they were to say, hey, look, the past 20 years of Magic, you can use any card in the official tournament. It's really hard for new players to get in. They yeah. can't buy the old cards. Yeah. It's so many cards to track that balancing them all is impossible. So they just try to focus on one segment at a time. And so we're kind of taking a similar approach, saying, look, think of it in terms of when you're building your campaign. If you say, hey, any book is usable, you're probably going to be asking for trouble. So we really want to avoid that bloat and really work to create a product line where it's much more focused on stories, campaigns, and how character options work with specific campaigns. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for your time. So uh, this has been with Mike Merles with Dungeons and Dragons at Wizards of the Coast. And go buy your copy now. All right. Welcome back. And it's time to wrap up things and then uh, we'll continue the Master of Geeks, and it's con season, so there will be cons flowing Woo! left and right. Uh, like uh, Steve said, Gen Con's the end of July. Uh, we have passes to go there. Conduit is next week. We have Comic Con in September. I mean, PaizoCon is next week if we wanted to go. That's up in Seattle. I mean, there's so many cons going on everywhere. Uh, which is just amazing. So, uh, we'll keep you informed. Stay tuned. Check out the website. Check out Facebook, Twitter, uh, the YouTube channel. We'll have more stuff coming out there. And then, as well as pretty soon, uh, you might be seeing some stuff from fandom.
as well. So awesome. right, uh, fandom. Which is going to be exciting. So stay tuned, and more news will come. Until then, we'll catch you next time. See ya. Good night, See you guys. Good night, world. Good night, Salt Lake. Get more from your games. <laughs>